Amen. Are you ready for the word today? We are doing our last sermon in our sermon series called Uncertain, uh, the truth about difficult times. The truth about difficult times. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit because it's Pentecost Sunday. But today, we're going to end our sermon series about the truth about difficult times. If you hadn't had a chance to go and listen to the other two sermons, I encourage you to do so. Last week, we talked about suffering and God's plan about suffering. So if you haven't had a chance to look at that, go and look at that. That will benefit and, and bless your soul. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter number 50, beginning with verse 15. Genesis chapter 50 and beginning with verse 15. Genesis 50, verse number 15. And we're going to look at the story of Joseph, and this is the concluding chapter of his life. Genesis 50, beginning with verse number 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may eventually repay us for all the evil which we done to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded us, saying, Thus you shall say to uh, Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin. For they did evil to you. Now please forgive their trespasses of your servants, of God, of your father. And Joseph wept when he spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Then Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am, in, for I am I in the place of God. But as for me, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about it to this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and for your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So just for a few moments, we're doing our last series of sermons in the truth about difficult times. Forrest Gump said it well. He said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I think I agree with Mr. Forrest Gump because sometimes you don't know what you're going to get in life. How many would raise your hand and say, life is truly like a box of chocolates? Sometimes life has a way of throwing you things that catches you off guard. Life happens to us all. Loss, rejection, hurt, heartbreak, disappointments, it happens to us all. Life throws things at us unexpectedly. Certainly, we are living in uncertain times. As you look around, the world is paralyzed with fear. They're paralyzed with confusion and uncertainty. And to a certain extent, the church has even fallen into the trap of fear to the point that we're so paralyzed that we can't even function or even think straight. You see, there is no level of education, no level of fame, no level of expertise that could prepare us for life. Life happens, and sometimes it throws us off guard. 
Someone once said that when life throws you lemons, make lemonade. <laughs> but sometimes you've got to realize it takes more than lemons to make lemonade. You've got to have sugar. It's just not about making lemonade. It's easier said than done. You see, sometimes when problems come and difficult times come, we don't know how to navigate through it. We don't know how to, we don't have a theory in how to suffer well because it's so foreign to us. And so therefore we clam up. We let situations control us. Our minds become bogged down. Our spirits become burdened because we're trying to navigate through difficult times. We don't know how to navigate through it. We don't know how to suffer well. But I want to introduce you to a man that suffered well. I want to introduce you to a man that navigated through his difficult times with the right perspective. If there's any man in the Bible that demonstrates how to walk through a difficult time, it would be the man of Joseph. Obviously, we know Jesus experienced hardship. But outside of Jesus, you see Joseph. Joseph, a man of character, a man of integrity, a man who was upright and walked before God, even in his difficult times. And I believe today, my friends, that Joseph is a picture of what you and I should do and ought to do when we find ourselves in difficult times. We come to the story of Joseph. It's found in the pages of Genesis between chapters 37 and 50. For the sake of time, I don't have time to read all four or five chapters to you. Hopefully, you have been reading the Bible through this year, and you are acquainted with the story of Joseph. So I'm just going to recap to you some of the highlights about Joseph. The Bible tells us, beginning around chapter 36, 37, that Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. He was so favored that the Bible says that his father gave him a coat of many colors. That coat of many colors was a sign of Jacob's love for his baby boy. It was a sign of his endearment. He adored his son. And because he endured his son, he, he endeared his son very well. He gave him a coat of many colors. It was a coat of promise, a coat of potential. Isn't that how our life starts out? Our life starts out like a coat of many colors. There's potential there. That we have dreams there. We feel favored. We feel loved by those around us and even at God at times. But sometimes life is like a box of chocolates. It doesn't turn out the way you think it should. And although Joseph had a coat of many colors, his brothers became jealous of him and threw him into the pit. Sold him, excuse me, sold him into slavery. And the Bible says they took him off into slavery. His brothers hated him. And you know the scriptures, Joseph finds himself in slavery, but even in Potiphar's house, because he had an upright heart and walked in integrity, God promoted Joseph even in Potiphar's house. You see, it still didn't turn out the way Joseph thought it should, because Potiphar's wife lied on him and accused Joseph of raping her. 
And again, Joseph finds himself not only in the jail, not only in Potiphar's house, but now he finds himself in the pit. He's been thrown into the jail. He's in the jail now. He's in the pit now. And even in the pit and in the jail, Joseph begins to interpret dreams. His gift made room for him. And you know, the butler forgot about him. The baker forgot about him. But in God's time, God raised up Joseph. And Joseph began to interpret the dreams for Pharaoh. And because of his gift, because of the favor of God, because of the integrity of Joseph's heart, Pharaoh promoted Joseph to the second person in charge of Egypt. And because of Joseph's position, he transitioned his family into a season of plentiful. His family was in Egypt and they moved, excuse me, they moved back to Egypt. And when they got to Egypt, Joseph began to take care of them because he was in a position to take care of them. Now that is a, that is a snapshot of Joseph. And there are a few things about Joseph that I want you to see about his life. There are a few things about Joseph that I think that he demonstrated in his difficult times, in his certain, his, in his uh, season of uncertainty that I believe that you and I can mimic today. He is a perfect example of what you and I should do in a difficult time, in a season of suffering, in a season of uncertainty. He shows us an example. I want you to open up your heart today, and I want these words to fall to good soil today. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said that if you receive the word on good soil, it has the potential to bear fruit some 30, some 60, and 100 fold. So I encourage you today that as I give these principles from the life of Joseph, that you would engraft the seed of the word of God into your heart, and that seed would germinate in your heart, and it would produce a harvest in your life. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, my faith is already being built this morning because I'm in God's house and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number one, the one thing that you can learn about Joseph as you walk through difficult times is number one, don't let your context change your character. Don't let your context change your character. I'm going to say it again because I think it's noteworthy to say it again. Don't let your context change your character. Listen to Pastor Josh this morning. Sometimes when we are going through something, we let that something change who we are. When we go through something, we let that something change who we are. But I want to remind you this morning, don't let what you go through change who you are. Joseph was a man of integrity. Joseph was a man of character. And Joseph demonstrated the character and the integrity of his heart, even though he was lied on by Potiphar's wife, even though he was sold into slavery, and even though though he found himself locked up into the jail house, he still walked in character. He still walked in integrity. He still blessed his enemies. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't uh, repay
repay evil with evil. And actually he walked with the integrity of his heart. I want to say this and I want to say it loud and clear. That the trouble that Joseph walked in never changed his character. And no matter what you find yourself in this morning church. No matter if you find yourself in the pit. Or you find yourself in the palace. Locations and situations and circumstances should never change your character. Have you ever met somebody who was walked in character, who walked in integrity, who walked in righteousness, who walked in love, and then they went through a hard time and then they changed overnight and you're wondering what's wrong with them? You're wondering if you did something? You're wondering if the, uh, somebody did something to them? See, sometimes we let the situation around us change who we are. And I've come to let you know if somebody is ugly to you, that shouldn't make you ugly. If somebody is bitter towards you, don't let that make you bitter. If somebody is upset with you, don't let that upset you inside. Can I hear an amen? God made me generous and your selfishness is not going to change my generous heart. God gave me a joyful spirit and your spirit of greed and spirit of bitterness is not going to dictate my spirit of joy. Your nastiness is not going to make me nasty. Can I hear an amen? You've got to learn that when you walk through something, you can't allow the situations and the trials and the tribulations and the difficult times change who you are. You cannot let it change who you are. When you go through something, if it changes who you are, you never had it in the beginning. Woo, I wish somebody in the house would raise your hand and say, preach on, preacher. It should never change who you are. Every time you change your character... Every time you let something change you, your integrity and influences decreases. You cannot be cussing on Facebook on Saturday and hooping and hollering up the front here. No, your increase decreases. Your character decreases. Can I hear an amen? It decreases. You cannot be giving somebody a nasty look in the foyer and yet come to church and shake somebody's hand. It decreases. Your influence decreases. You cannot let your context change your character. You've got to remain steadfast no matter what you go through. You've got to remain steadfast. You've got to endure. You've got to have stickability. You've got to stand your ground no matter what's happening around me. I choose to let it affect what God is doing on the inside of me. The fire that I may be in will not touch who I am. The pit that I may find myself in will not change my character will not change my integrity, will not change who I am. God said he told me who I am and your opinion is not going to change who God said I was. It doesn't matter if I'm up or down, broke or blessed, whether I got a, a Benz or a Buick. I'm still going to praise God. I'm not going to let my context change my character. Number two, see, Joseph never changed. 
He didn't get bitter because Potiphar's wife so uh, lied and said he raped her. He didn't get bitter. Oh, did it hurt him? Of course, he's human. But he never let it affect his character. Number two, don't let what happened to you hinder you from helping. One of the very first things that happens when we go through a hard time, we want to shut down, don't we? We want to isolate. We want to lock ourselves up, and we want to stay isolated from people. As a matter of fact, we want to come in late and leave, in er leave early from the church service. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. I'm just here for the preaching. We want to isolate ourselves. And when we get hurt, we don't want to help. But you see, that's not found in the Bible. That's not the Bible that I read. And if you're really serious about growing in God, if you're really serious about serving God, if you're really serious about making a difference, then you've got to follow the scriptures. And Jesus said, Jesus said that if you follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. In other words, you've got to take up the thing that hurts you. You've got to take up the offense. You've got to take up the difficult time. You've got to take up the suffering. You've got to take up the hurtful words. You've got to take up those things and you've got to learn to follow me in spite of all of that. You cannot let what happened to you hinder you from helping. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph didn't let him, it didn't hinder him. You, found, you find Joseph in the jailhouse interpreting dreams. You find Joseph in the jailhouse interpreting the dreams for the baker and the butler. You see, he could have had a decision. He could have been pitiful or he could have been powerful. He could have sat there with his arms folded in the jailhouse and said, you know what, life has given me lemons and I don't know why this has happened to me and I don't know why they threw me in prison. I didn't really do it. I I didn't rape her. I didn't do that. They're lying on me. And he could sit there and be pitiful and decide not to use his gift. But you will discover that if you are really serious about serving God, you will find yourself in hard situations. And that is not a reason for you to give up helping because you're in a difficult time. Don't let what happened to you hinder you from helping. When there's an opportunity to help, you should help. You will only heal when you serve, when you find yourself in a difficult time. You will not find yourself healing, sitting on a church pew, navigating through your issues and licking the wounds of your life. Healing is found when you serve, because that's what Jesus said. And when you begin to serve, in the difficult time, that is when healing begins to happen. You see, you, nobody has to do right about you in order for you to do right. Isn't that the mindset of people? The mindset of people is, I'm not going to do right until somebody does right by me. Okay? If you bless me, I'll bless you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You know, you say a nice thing about me, I'll say a nice thing about you. But that is not Christianity. That's not the Bible. That's an American mindset. That's not a biblical mindset. I am called to love you even though you don't love me. I'm called to be nice even when you're nasty. I'm called to turn to the other cheek. I'm called to serve when I'm in a difficult time. Because healing only happens in serving. Never happens in isolation. God has a way of taking the good that you did and reward you. Isn't it interesting 
that we sow and we sow and we sow. Isn't it interesting that we give and we give and we give? And we could get in the mindset is this. But pastor, I have helped. Pastor, I have done this. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves in a difficult time checking a list. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. And then we weigh it. I've done all of this, and look where I, I find myself. All the good I've done, and look where I'm at. All the years I've served God, but look where I'm at. All the, all the people I've helped, but look where I'm at. It doesn't weigh out. The bad is outweighing the good I've done. And that's what we do. We have, this, we have this spiritual calculator, and we try to calculate all the good we've done versus the bad that we are experiencing. And that's the wrong perspective. That is the wrong perspective. Jesus said that it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus said it's going to happen to all of us. Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He said, be of good cheer. You're going to face difficult times. You're going to face seasons of uncertainty. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to suffer. You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to find yourself in the pit. You're going to find yourself in the fire. But God is saying, if you don't let the fire affect you, then I'm going to do something in you so greater that when you come through the fire, you're going to be perfect. You're going to be whole. And you're going to be complete if you don't let it affect you. If you don't let it affect you, if you keep on loving, if you keep on helping, if you keep on forgiving, if you keep on being kind, the scripture says in Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary, let us not grow weary, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. I've come to tell you there is a season called reaping, and if you will stay faithful to the Lord, the Lord is saying, I'm going to make sure you reap in due season. You say, Pastor, I've done good and I'm not reaping. Guess what? You can be right and do good towards someone and they do you bad. And the Lord says, listen, they are not the source of your reaping because they can do you dirty. They can turn their back on you. They can, they, they can walk away from you. But the Lord says, if you take your eyes off of people, as if people is the source of your reaping, you won't be disappointed. If the only reason that you're giving is because you want them to say thank you, you're going to be disappointed because they're not the reason why you should reap. That's why when you sow, you need to have the attitude that he is the one that makes sure in due season I will reap even in the valley of disappointment I reap. That's why he said, he said, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That's why you can't look at people to be the source of your reaping. You can give today, and they turn their backs on you, and three weeks from now you can meet a stranger, and God could use them for you to reap what you have sown. Hallelujah. Don't let what happened to you hinder you from helping. Jesus finds himself dying on the cross 
And in his suffering, he opened heaven up for a dying thief. Can you, in your suffering, have the ability to open heaven up for someone? Are you going to die on the cross and moan and groan about how they whipped you, pulled your beard, how they betrayed you? Or do you have the ability to open heaven up for someone around you, even in your suffering, even in your hurting? Number one, Joseph is a prime example of someone that is character wasn't changed because of his context. Number two, don't let what happened to you hinder you from helping. Joseph helped in the pit. He helped in the jail. He helped in Potiphar's house. He used his gifts even though he was in jail. He used his gifts. Why are we thinking that our gifts are only used when things are going right? When you feel good, you use your gifts. But that's not scripture. When I feel like it, I'll use my gift. When I feel, oh no, Joseph didn't feel like it. It wasn't his gift to decide. It was God who gave him the gift to use it in uncertain times. Don't let what happened to you hinder you from helping. Don't disrespect the gift because you don't like the situation that you find yourself in. Don't disrespect the gift because you don't like the situation that you're in. The three wise men, they have to bend over and present their gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh. In the traditional story, they gave it in the manger. And sometimes you've got to give your best gift, your gold, frankincense, and myrrh in smelly, dirty places like a manger. You're not called to present your gold, frankincense, and myrrh in a palace. You're called to give it in a manger. Do you all still love me today? Can I have an air hug? Is everybody okay? Have I preached on your toes today? Is that all right? I like ice cream and cakes and cookies and apple pie and chocolate pie, but once in a while we just need to put that aside and have some broccoli. Is that all right? Come on, can somebody wave your hand? And every once in a while we need some Brussels sprouts and we need some spinach. The Bible says a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great people. Great men. See, folks, don't 
disrespect your gift because you don't like this situation that you find yourself in. Lastly, number three, don't let your problems cause perplexity about God's presence. You see, sometimes when we're going through a hard time, we allow the pain of life to make us wonder where God's at. Is God with me? What's happening to me? If the Lord loves me, then why am I going through this? How can a good God allow bad things happen to someone good like me? We try to rationalize. We try to be logic about this. We try to, we try to put our good on this side and the bad on this side and try to weigh it out. Why is this happening to me? And if we're not careful, we become so perplexed about God's presence. But isn't it interesting to me that Joseph knew that God was with him? Joseph knew that God was with him. Look at it. Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. Joseph knew that God was with him. Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. But as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order that he might bring it to this day to save many people. You see, Joseph knew that God had been with him in the evil times. God was with Joseph. And listen, when God, if God is with Joseph, God will be with you. You see, sometimes we have this idea that God has left us in difficult times, but God hasn't left you. He is trying to strengthen in your faith. You see, even David had a perplexity about God's presence. In Psalms chapter 139, verse number 7. Psalm 139 and verse number 7. I want you to listen to what David says about God's presence. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where else can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, you are there. David said it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter if I find myself at the bottom of the sea, if I find myself in hell, if I find myself in, in the bed, if I ascend to the heavens, you are there. And the problem that we have to understand today, church, is no matter how deep the problem may be, no matter how severe the problem may be, God is always deeper and his presence is always stronger in those difficult times. It is what we call, listen, it is called the law of the pattern. Have you ever heard of it? Get this. The law of the pattern states this. Let me give you an example. If I get up here and I'm teaching a math class and I would say two, four, six, eight, the law of logic pattern states logically what number comes next. Everybody help me out. What number? So I want you to fill in the blank as loud as you can do it. Two, four, six, eight. Okay, it's ironic. I never said the word 10. Okay, you said it logically. I wanted you to say it because I'm demonstrating this answer. But it's interesting that I, you probably wouldn't think that I would say this. Two, four, six, eight, 
That's not the pattern of logic. The pattern of logic states, logically, I'm going to count by twos because that's been the pattern. Two, four, six, eight. Logically, you're thinking he's counting by twos, so obviously the last number is going to be ten, not 2,368.45. That doesn't follow logic. That doesn't follow the pattern. And that's the same way, I'm about to shout, <laughs> with God. If I look back on my life, I see a pattern. I see a pattern of God bringing me through. I see a pattern of God healing me. I see a pattern of God delivering me. I see a pattern of God strengthening me. I see a pattern of God sustaining me. And what makes me think at this moment, he is not going to bring me through because I have seen a pattern in my life. Woo. So why are we doubting God? Why are we discouraged when the law of the pattern states it's logical for us to say, if he brought me through last time, if he healed me last time, if he provided for me last time, then what makes me think God is not able to do it now? I'm telling you the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. Somebody needs to get brave enough and stand to your feet and say the devil is a liar. I know if God took care of me before, God's going to bring me again. I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to believe God that he's able to do what he said he was able to do. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Come on, somebody give God a victory praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 Can I shout a little bit up here? I say, can I shout a little bit up here? Woo! Because I know my future is bright. On the count of three, I want somebody to get out of your seat, run to the front right now, and I want you to praise God that you have seen the pattern in your life, and you know that God is going to bring you the rest of the way. Come on, I want somebody to get out of your seat. Come on, run to this front this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, run to the front this morning. Raise your hands and begin to give God praise today. Come on, get out of your seat. Bust out of the box today. Give God praise today. He's worthy. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Lift your voice up. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost today, that he's worthy to be praised, worthy to be honored, worthy to be given glory and praise today. Come on, lift your hands up. Say, Lord, 